everyone. My name is Chantal. I'm living in recovery today by the grace of God, uh, recovered sex and love addict, recovering codependent controller fixer obsessor, currently working the 12 steps for food addiction. And today I thought I'd talk about confession and my experience of confession and the power of confession. Um, <clears throat> some of you may or may not know me, but I generally have a script and I realized today why I generally have a script. It's to make sure that I speak 20 to 25 minutes. <laughs> so if I don't, that's that. Um, the other thing in my process this time, I had, I'm, I'm an information gatherer. I'm a nerd. I love reading and learning and getting different perspectives on things. And I really thought that I would be speaking out of a devotional that I use because there was so many great insights on step four. And I know we don't actually confess out loud to step five, but step four is that place where we start doing that rigorous resentment inventory and looking at uh, the people who harmed us and, and how they've harmed us or how we've assigned ourselves in, in that, in that production. And uh, it's only recently that I, came to the realization of the value of the second part of that worksheet. So I don't want to give it all away right yet, but um, probably because I don't want to share one of my sheets, I'm going to share one of my sheets. We'll see where God takes that. Uh, he's kind of funny that way. So, you know, as a child, my first experience of confession was going to the confessional at the back of the church and admitting to God and a priest the nature of my wrongs. Then I would do penance by prayer. And as I look back now, I realize that uh, these confessions did nothing to transform my heart or change my attitude. Not that I think I did, but just as a now adult now looking back, um, if anything, it beat me down in terms of what I believed of myself and um, kept me hidden uh, from others. So, you know, rather than being um, able to confidently walk out in the world, I perpetuated a need for perfectionism and a desire to do everything right or else. And it, I don't know what the or else was. It wasn't because I had to be on my knees and say a few prayers. I would have been too young to fully understand, you know, what the wrath and judgment of God is. Um, but I grew up in a home that uh, that followed religious conventions, and there were things that we did that we didn't really know or understand why we were doing them. So about 20 years ago, I actually gave my life to Christ and came into a personal relationship with Jesus. And while I was grateful that there were no confessionals at the back of the church, I still found myself not too sure how to navigate um, confession or even how to come against some of the schemes that the enemy um, would use to deceive me or to give me a false assurance. You know, the enemy often speaks through our mind. We know that from the Garden of Eden. That's the first battle that Adam and Eve had. It was a battle of the mind. Um, and it's so easy when no one else around you is um, there to exemplify what it looks like to walk with Christ. So I really got caught up in my head and it wasn't until I got connected in the church that I really recognized the importance of reading the word and confessing it out loud. 
I've noticed there's there's actually power in confessing it out loud. It's like I'm putting Satan on notice, letting him know that uh, God counts me as righteous no matter what I've done and that I'm not going to continue to believe these lies. Um, it has been a struggle. I mean, every day is different. There are different relationships. There are there are things in my past that are so well cemented that it's going to take more than, you know, one go round. Um, but a, a re another revelation that I had early on about confession uh, came from Joyce Myers. She said, do you know that you believe more of what you say about yourself than anybody else does? So generally what I say about myself, either in my head or even out loud, is negative. And my people, my people, <laughs> people like people here recognize that that's not true. Yet I still get deceived by it. And I think that's one of the large, the biggest tactics of the enemy is to keep me deceived. So when I learned of this, I realized that I had to stop ruminating. I had to change the tapes in my head that kept saying, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. I can't get it right. I am a mistake. And really had to get my voice aligned with God's word. There are many places in God's word that tells us, you know, if we believe in Jesus and confess that he is our savior, God will see us as righteousness, as righteous, sorry. And even in our Life Lab workbook, there are two pages of scriptures in session 10 that tell us of our identity in God. So God is God doesn't change. He sees us. He knows us. We can't hide from him, although I often believe that I can. Um, and in as much as he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever, to him, we're the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever because of Jesus. And it was really important for me to uh, remember that. Some of the other things that I've done to help release the power of confession is self-examination. And for me, self-examination could be ritualistic. I would pray Psalm 139, 23 to 24, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. But I didn't really take it to heart because I was always longing for something that was easy, for something that was comfortable. Um, and the big book makes reference to that ease and comfort. And sometimes my search for that ease and comfort keeps me in denial. I believe things like I should be better. I should be smarter. I should be wiser. I should be loved. I should be humble. I should be kind. And the list goes on. The good thing is I know that as long as I'm breathing, God's not done with me yet. So that gives me a new hope every day to um, look more closely at the things in my life that are sort of blocking my connection to God. So despite my commitment and willingness to turn my life, every area of my life, over to God instead, three, I've continued to struggle when it comes to starting a step four. And fortunately for me, I have, um, in my most recent start of step four, I felt I have nobody, no people left to, to work with. So I'm going to look at self-defeating be beliefs. 
So I went down that road and then in my head, I was analyzing, is this a self-defeating belief? Whatever it was I was thinking, I can't remember exactly what I was thinking. Um, But the important comes when I was speaking it out loud to a step guide who then indicated, you might want to go back and see if you're in denial. And I was like, how could it be? Like I'm on step four and I'm reading step 10 and 11 every day. And I'm, you know, making sure that God is actually the director. And so, yeah, I guess what I realized in that process was that I've made self-improvement, my God, I've spent years on the self-help tour bus, but I still couldn't recognize what denial looked like. So this is what denial looked like as recently as last week, minimizing. It's not that serious. Blaming. This was big. I blame my food addiction on my hormones, on my mood, on my stress, on food manufacturers, on family members who bring it into the house because they don't understand my needs, or I'll rationalize. I'll justify by saying it will help decrease my stress level. It's what I use as a reward when a job is done. I can't say no to the one who made it. I'll even intellectualize. I can control it as long as I don't get started or eat trigger foods. Let's not get started with distraction because it's very, in my home anyway, it's easy to divert and distract to another person um, because that other person has the same, a lot of the same compulsions and obsessions I do. Um, And it's futile, but I do need to check my resentment because Their choice is not my choice, and I, as a codependent, cannot influence their journey, even though I used to like like to. So basically, at the end of this denial, what I really want to get at is that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of all my troubles. That's what page 62 tells us in the big book. And I know this because my egos convinced me that all these things that I mentioned in denial were true, that I didn't need to look at people and the challenging relationships I was in. But if I go back to the the basic component of step four, it's to look at people. First time I did a step four inventory was in 2014. It took me four weeks just to write names in the first column, names like names of people, very straightforward, whom I had resentments again. And another two weeks to get down with the causes. And um, and then I'd always get stuck. But slowly, the journey between step five and beyond was, in, the, although intense, I did get through by the grace of God. So most re- recently, and for my first big book awakening, step four, um, I came to it with much fear and resistance, defeat even, disappointment and discouragement. And looking back now, I think partly it's because I know that I'm prey to misery and depression and uh, the enemy can get a foothold in there if I'm not cautious. Turns out though that after prayer and consideration, I decided to walk away for a season because an opportunity to deal with grief and loss presented itself. This experience, although not really related to the 12th step, catapulted my recovery as I openly confessed my feelings, attitudes, and behaviors around the loss of loved ones. 
and the pain, grief, loss, and division that sex and love addiction, codependency, brokenness, and selfishness had brought into my marriage. This is a second marriage for me, and uh, as I just alluded to, some of the compulsions and mental obsessions and addictions are similar, which has made it very challenging at times, depending on where either one of us is in our recovery. But this past winter, we had an opportunity to share, uh, to do a shared testimony, kind of like a he sheds, he said, she said, um, on our experience and on our relationship. And although we had, you know, prepared and we had scripted and we had looked at each other's notes, it was amazing how profound the healing was and the sense of connection to our God was once we had finished confessing it. It's nothing short of a miracle. When I get restless, irritable, and discontent, my husband is the first punching bag, unfortunately, and for lack of a better word. Um, and it wasn't until BBA when we I started practicing step 10, even though I was only in step one, we were encouraged to read page 83 to 88 and practice step 10. And uh, after six months, finally, there was no criticism. There was no judgment towards him. There was no resentment. It was like God had just lifted that spirit off of me. And we can see each other in a way that we can help each other and we can direct each other um, back to God and we can have uh, open uh, communications. And it's, it's just a gift that I'm learning to treasure more and more. And I don't know for sure if this would be if we hadn't confessed our story out loud in the spring, but I choose to believe that God provided us with that kind of miracle and uh, it's what actually strengthens us today. Hmm. So again, still stalling on step four. And uh, having spoken to my step guide, I indicated that I would work through the sheets. And I managed to work th through 10 sheets up to the point of the realization. And then I finally sat down with God and I said, okay, God, I need to see the truth about myself. I need to set aside what I believe. I need to see and know if there's any harm I caused in another person. And I might not be quick, but could you please walk through, walk it with me as I do that? And he did. He also even provided a breakthrough of sorts. And once I realized that I was selfish and self-centered, he healed me from a vow that I made when I was a little girl. You see, all my life I lived in an illusion that I was unselfish, helpful, and giving. I took this on because a family member told me I was a selfish little girl and no one likes selfish little girls. On that basis, I set out to prove myself to be everything but selfish. Such an entanglement of vows left me discouraged, but determined to be the best, to know it all, to be right, and to be worthy of love. And that showed up in my life as perfectionism, performance, 
approval seeking through achievements and people pleasing. Thankfully, the Big Book Awakening approach encourages us to consider a new way of life and it guides us through this process. Hmm. It's because some of it I've already shared now, so I have to see where I'm at. <laughs> hmm. It's amazing how God works. This is not what I wanted to share, and it's not even an amends that I'm sure I'm ready to make. But um, I think God is, I'm recognizing that God is asking me to trust the process, trust him, and trust myself. So I'm going to share this briefly. Um, and the only other thing I think I wanted to mention in the context of confession is that when I follow the big book approach, in addition to reading or sharing readings out loud with step guides, um, I, there's also an opportunity for confession when we transcribe some of the text and personalize it so that we can see really how we're showing up in the world. And I have some examples of that too, if we have time, and if not, that's great as well. So I'm going to move on to uh, the resentment sheet. God, I've met you here before, and I've asked you to help me set aside everything I think I know and to show me the truth. And I do this willingly now, trusting and knowing that all you have for me is for my good. So I won't go through the whole thing. I'll just do the who, the cause, uh, the realization, and perhaps the fourth calling. We'll see. So the who is a younger woman from church. The cause, um, she's insincere, loud. She seeks my counsel, then disregards it and continues to live the life of an untreated addict. She has no respect for boundaries and is very difficult to work with. Realization, I have been close-minded to her insights, other relationships, and realize that I believe she can't help me. I don't need her because I got this. I know this. I am right. The depth of this realization is that to some extent, she is just like me. And I can't bear to see or experience that reflection. So then the sheet asks me, how have I been self-seeking? And then these are some of the behaviors I'd have exemplified. I'll withdraw. I'll give the silent treatment. I'll gossip and grumble. Um, just increasing ne negativity. Failing to, over failing to look at her gifts and accept her as she is. I have an all or nothing mindset. And some it is because I still believe that she's not authentic. My selfish attitude. I need to protect myself at all costs. I don't want to be like you, so I will ignore and avoid you. There's no in or out in my attitude. I'm either all in or all out. 
For the longest time, I was in the illusion that I was setting a healthy boundary for myself to avoid controlling, fixing, and obsessing, to decrease frustration and anger and negativity and irritability. I was afraid of being crushed and rejected. I was afraid of being disrespected, useless, and exposed to others as a liar and a fake. I was afraid to be unworthy of community myself. Harm. Do I see any harm I have caused? I've caused tension. I've caused conflict with other members in the group. I've planted doubt. I've failed to love unconditionally. And through gossiping, I've been open to negativity and lies without defense. 